0: Mike Babcock has resigned as coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. We have the latest on that. Plus the Boston Bruins look to get used to playing without some of their best stars from a year ago. And the Calgary Flames look for redemption in a bounce back year. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast.
1: Your Locked On NHL, your daily
0: podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
1: team every day.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. And you can also find us on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just do a search for Locked On NHL. It is great to welcome back after a very short time, the, the host of Locked on Blue Jackets, Jay Forster. And uh, Jay, never a dull moment in Columbus right now, but the big news of the weekend, Mike Babcock resigning as head coach of the Blue Jackets and Pascal Vincent taking over that position. What was the straw that broke the camel's back as far as Mike Babcock was concerned?
2: it's it's tough to say i think um the longer the nhlpa investigation into um so for people who aren't who aren't aware um he's been investigated by the nhlpa for allegedly uh violating players privacy going through their phones looking at their photos um i saw a, one tweet that had a report of um a player and him had a meeting away from the rink that had several quote several minutes of uh, scrolling through pictures so that's not great um and the longer the nhlpa investigation went on the longer i was like okay there's something here because they wouldn't keep digging if they didn't think there was something there and like i hate that this is how it happened like this didn't this didn't have to happen but it has and now they have to deal with the consequences but i do think that yama kakalainen should have seen if not this coming, then something like this, you know, a leopard doesn't a leopard doesn't change its spots.
0: I, I would think, although things do change, that Mike Babcock at the age of 60, probably not going to get a head coaching job anytime soon, if ever again. It's kind of a sad way for him to go out under the circumstances.
2: Yeah, kind of. But I also think he did it to himself. No doubt, you know, and I think that okay, maybe he didn't understand what what he did necessarily. Like, I don't ne- I don't immediately disagree with like asking if you can see like girlfriends or family or hey, what did you do this summer? Like, and in my mind, I genuinely don't think there was anything malicious from him about this request. And obviously, a lot of the older guys have spoken out and said, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it, but. The younger players clearly did. And that, to me, is kind of the problem of if they don't feel like they can say no to their head coach, there's an issue there. Even if it's for something innocuous like this, if they're worried that them saying no to him is going to impact their ice time, their position on the team, you know, they can get sent down like that. They can get benched. They can get healthy scratched, whatever. Like, that's a big problem. You have to be able to say no to someone who is in a position of power you, whether that's the coach, the GM, the owners, whatever. And that to me is kind of the, the crux of this is, okay, Babcock didn't think he was doing anything wrong, maybe. But intent over impact over intent matters.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, he could have approached it differently and just said, show me a couple of photos from what you did this summer, or show me a picture of your family and let the player pick the photo or photos that he wanted to show. And, you know, this becomes a nothing burger if that happens.
2: yeah, exactly. And I do think that uh, like this is this, I, I don't want this to come across as me defending Babcock because I'm absolutely not, but I do wonder how much of it was kind of we've we've heard like fifty to sixty percent of a story, you know, it came out on Spitting and Chicklets, uh, early this week of and the implication there was Mike Babcock is physically snatching phones out of players' hands and airplaying the photos onto the TV. And I think probably what happened is somewhere in between that and like, hey, can I see a picture of what you did on vacation? Because stories get garbled, you know. It's a game of telephone that has, you know, gone gone wrong. But I think it probably probably wasn't as bad as the worst it could be. But I also think it was worse than a lot of people assumed at, at least at first.
0: Pascal Vincent named the new head coach. Talk to me about him. What do you know about him? And how, if at all, does his style differ-, differ from Mike Babcock's?
2: I'm a big Pascal Vincent fan. I, um, he was the bench boss for a handful of games last season. Brad Larson took some time away to uh, due to a family matter or a personal matter. Um, and I thought he did a good job. Uh, he was the person who put Patrick Line at center, which a lot of people were like, oh, weird choice. But I think it worked. I think he succeeded. So I wonder if we'll see something like that this season um pascal vincent was also and this is important and i didn't actually mention this i just re- I, we just released an episode of locked on blue jacket about this and i didn't mention this in it, and i regret that earlier in the off season uh, emily Kaplan uh released a fantastic article about the carrot versus the stick in terms of nhl coaching and pascal vincent was actually quoted in this article as saying you know along the lines of you can't just yell and and shout at these guys to get them to do, you have to work with them. You know, it, you have to be the carrot, not the stick. And Babcock, I think whether you like him or not, he was going to be the stick. He was going to be a tough coach. He was going to come into this room. Uh, and like I talked about it on, uh, I think I talked about it on last week's, I looked around NHL actually, he was going to give this team structure. They might get a little bit less of that with Vincent, but I think it'll be a more pleasant experience for everyone. And let's just put it let's just put it frankly if you make your players want to play for you you will get better results than if you just yell at them and scream at them and you know make them feel uncomfortable so i'm really excited for pascal vincent um i know the organization has been burned before with this with an internal hire i don't think it's going to be the same thing um i'm not seeing any of the red flags in vincent that i kind of saw in last and a couple of years ago so i'm uh I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be interesting.
0: How does the team get past this distraction? I mean, the, the training camp is starting. Preseason is getting underway. Uh, how big of a problem is this going to be, and how does the team get past it?
2: God, you know that's it's so tough to answer that. Uh, it's probably not as big of a deal in the room as a lot of people are making out, like and, and myself included. You know, um, I think maybe. They're down a coach, which is going to be tough for training camp, obviously. They've lost one of their assistant coaches to become the head coach. They're missing an assistant coach. Does someone from the organization step in temporarily just to be a body? Um, Training camps have much bigger rosters than your average game day roster by about 40 percent, I think. So, you know, that immediately becomes a little bit of a problem for me. The, the, the worry for me here is that I don't want there to be a rift created between the older players who didn't have a problem showing Babcock their phones or their photos or whatever, and the younger players who did. Because I think something that worries me and worries uh, uh, quite a few other people, why did the players feel like they needed to go to Spitting chiclets instead of going to the captain or one of the older, I know Gaudreau came out and said that he didn't have a problem with it. Uh, Wierenski said the same thing. Uh, Matthew Olivier, who doesn't hold the same kind of weight in this room as guys like Jenner and Gaudreau and warensky But like, why did they, why did they not feel comfortable going to the veteran leaders in the room? Why did they feel comfortable going somewhere else? And so like that to me feels like a, a bit of a problem that needs to be fixed now, as opposed to, six weeks down the line when both sides are like, well, you didn't stand up for me. And the other side is like, well, you're causing problems. You're making waves, you know, because that that's such a hockey thing, isn't it? You don't rock the boat. And for better or worse, the young players in Columbus rocked the boat until the head coach fell out. So.
0: Yeah. Now, I mean, who do you think is is in the best position to smooth over that potential conflict, would it be the captain? Would it be uh, an assistant coach? I mean, how do you bridge that gap that may end up existing?
2: Yeah, I think I think the captain has to reach out. I think Jenna has to be a captain, and I've been kind of quite outspoken about. I I like Boone Jenner a lot. I think he's a good captain. I think he's grown massively since stepping into that role uh, two seasons ago, I believe. So, like, I'd like to think that he has, you know, understands what's going on and he is going to reach out. He's still young, fairly young, um, I mean, on like NHL terms. I believe he's either just turned 30 or is just about to turn 30. So it's not like he's a dinosaur. I think he's young enough that he can kind of maybe empathize with these kids. Um, and I could also see some of the guys that are kind of in between the quote-unquote old guys and the young guys. Um So I'm thinking of, you know, guys like Patrick Liney, who's 24 I believe, you know, so hopefully something can can happen there. But yeah, something, it has to be the older players reaching out, I think, because frankly, I don't think the young players did anything wrong and I don't think they think they did anything wrong either. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said anything, you know? So I don't think that it's it, it's not them to come out and say, hey, sorry for rocking the boat. It's the older players' job to come out and say, hey, we're really sorry that we created an environment that made you feel like you had to go anonymously to some podcast instead of coming to me with a problem.
0: All right, Jay, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find Locked on Blue Jackets and where they could find you on social media?
2: So you can find Locked on Blue Jackets wherever you get Locked on NHL. Uh, There is a brand new episode up there from uh, Sunday night, all about Babcock, all about Vincent, and what comes next for the Blue Jackets. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find my co-host Hayden Heilsorn at Hayden h nine seven one, And you can find the show on Twitter at L-O underscore
0: Blue Jackets. Jay, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation, the licensed pharmacy medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Lots of changes in Boston this offseason. Ian McLaren of Locked On Boston Bruins joins us to talk about it. And Ian, Out of all the departures this offseason, which one do you think will be the toughest for the Bruins to replace?
3: I mean, there's no question that it's Patrice Bergeron. He was their captain. He won the Selkie Trophy again last season, and he certainly had some gas left in the tank. He was playing at an elite level as a two-way center, and... You know, you could argue David Krejci's up there as well. Both of them combined would be would be the answer here. But if you're looking at one individual, I wasn't really expecting uh, Krejci to come back. I thought Bergeron might for the centennial season um, and because of how last season ended, but both have moved on uh, spending more time with their families, uh, which is great for them personally. But of course, for the Bruins, it leaves a pretty significant hole in terms of, the center position, as well as uh, leadership in the locker room.
0: You mentioned uh, the leadership. Who do you think, regardless of whether they name a new captain or not, who do you think will pick up the slack in the leadership department?
3: I mean, the thing with the Bruins is that they have had this uh, pretty inclusive culture of leadership over the last 10, 15 years or so. It was Zdeno Chara, uh, Tuka Rask, who served as leaders along with Krejci and Bergeron. Um, you had someone like Nick Felino step up uh, recently. It's going to be kind of a, a leadership by committee, uh, despite the fact that it looks like they will name a new captain. Uh, but even if one single player has the C, you will still have um, players like Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, David Pasternak, uh, Hampus Lindholm, uh, the goaltending duo of Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman, as well as uh, Charlie Coyle who has been around for a while and the returning Milan Lucic who relished the opportunity to, to, to don the spoke to be once again. Uh, he's been gone since 2015. He was part of the team that won the Stanley Cup in 2011, went to the final with them in 2013 And, you know, he may not play all 82 games, might have a a more limited role on the ice, but uh, he certainly will help to carry on that uh, legacy, uh, the culture that had been built up uh, with Bergeron and Chara before him as team captains. Who do you think gets this A? I've I've kind of gone back and forth with this. I really do think that Brad Marchand is the likely choice. He was literally Patrice Bergeron's wingman man for, for so many years, uh, playing on the left side, becoming an elite winger in the NHL. But he's also grown tremendously over the past several seasons. You know, it, not too long ago that we were talking about multiple suspensions per season licking the opposition, Uh, but despite all that, it's a very real possibility that Brad Marchand will be called upon because he's the longest-tenured Bruin. He's been through all the ups, all the downs with this team, and uh, he's still one of their best forwards at the same time and still a few years left in the tank. Now, it's possible that they could you know, usher in a new era and go with someone younger. Uh, David Pasternak is their best player, so he jumps off the page. Me, I'd prefer him to focus on scoring, focus on what he does best without the pressure of having to to meet the media. If it's not Marshawn, then I would assume it would be Charlie McAvoy as the anchor on the blue line. He, in his tribute video to Patrice Bergeron, not his, but the whole team's, he said he promised to carry on the l- inclusive legacy that Bergeron uh, helped maintain after Chara's departure. So he's also a logical choice. Uh, if they decide to go straight to McAvoy and skip Marshawn, I could see that happening. But I could also see a situation where they give it to Marshawn. He wears the C for a few years during this transition period. And then McAvoy is the guy. Uh, going on uh, once Marshawn retires in, in a few seasons.
0: You you mentioned Olmark and Swayman. How do you picture or project the goaltending combination to work out as far as how many starts each of them is going to get if they're healthy?
3: Yeah, if both are healthy, uh, I would assume it would probably be as close to a 50-50 split as, as uh, logistically possible. Both guys, Played at a high level last season. Linus allmark one of the reasons why he was able to post such great numbers is because he has that partnership with Jeremy Swayman. Um, you know, one of the knocks against him in the Vesna voting was that he didn't have as many appearances as some of his peers. But when he was in the crease, he was... As good or better than than anybody else, and that's a testament to his skill set, but also the relationship that he and Swayman have. There's no competition there. There's no pressure to maintain the crease. You know that um, the guy behind you uh, is going to be there to pick up the slack. Now, where Swayman might get a bit more work is down the stretch. We saw Allmark fade in the playoffs, so we could see um, Swayman carry a bit of the load down the stretch to to make sure that Olmark is a bit more rested for the
0: playoffs uh, if, in fact, they are able to qualify this season. Training camp just around the corner. Any young players, prospects that have a good chance of making this team or just that we need to keep an eye on?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the rankings around the league in terms of prospect pipelines, you'll pretty widely see that the Bruins are ranked pretty low, but that doesn't mean that they don't have – Some talent in the pipeline. Uh, You're going to hear a lot about defenseman Mason Lorai in training camp. Uh, Probably still needs a a year or two in the AHL. You're going to hear about Fabian Lysel, who's their best uh, scoring prospect. He likely will be back in the AHL as well. A young center named Matt Poitra, who they're very high on. He was their second round pick last season likely will be back in the OHL and could challenge for the uh, scoring title in that league. The one guy that, um, and I talked about this on Locked On Bruins on Friday is, is John Beecher. He's a bit more established. He's got a full uh, season at the pro level under his belt, 22 years old and really came into his own as a uh, responsible two way center for the Providence Bruins last season. And with the open position on the fourth line on the big club. I could really see him um, taking steps and becoming a guy who, who grabs that spot and, and cracks the team in a, in a
0: few weeks. Should be interesting and an interesting ride. I know you'll have it covered every step of the way. Ian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media?
3: Yeah, they can find the podcast on their favorite podcast apps and on YouTube, just search up Locked On Boston Bruins and uh, become an everyday listener this season. can find the podcast on social media at Locked NHL Bruins,
0: and I'm at Ian C. McLaren. All right, Ian, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking hockey with you. No problem, Gail. Thanks for having me on. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. This app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and a lot more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show, the host of Locked On Flames. Jess Belmasto and Jess, uh big season ahead for the Flames. And I guess the top question is, you know, so many players the Flames were counting on last year, struggled, disappointed. Mm-hmm. Can those players bounce back in
1: 2023, 2024? Well, they can't get any worse. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to say yes, uh, just because, you know, I think last year really was uh, a fluke. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Um, They shot themselves in the foot to the point where they didn't have any feet left. And there's there's not a world where I see Jonathan Huberto being a 100-point player again. But I think if the Flames can get him around 80, 85, things will be okay. I want to see Kadri do more, too. I think that he was also adjusting to... The uh, you know new environment and new coaching and obviously Jacob Markstrom that that's the biggest that's the biggest piece here just slightly above average goaltending will get the job done.
0: What do you think was the big issue with Markstrom last year, and why do you think he can straighten it out this year?
1: So apparently, I don't know how true this is. This is a story from one of the players, and they said that. Sutter would go into the locker room after the first period and uh, Markstrom would be starting and he'd be like, Vladar, are you ready to go in and like play like these, like the psychological warfare, basically like it'd be zero, zero Markstrom stopped everything obviously. And like he just had, the coach had no confidence in him and it's hard to go out there and play well when your coach doesn't even believe in you. So why would you believe in yourself?
0: yeah that that certainly doesn't help, and you know as far as Kadri is concerned, he was doing very well in the first half and then mm-hmm. sort of petered out as the year went on. Any idea as to why it worked out that way
1: i don't I really thought that you know obviously the uh eighty two points that he had had the season before was you know, that's not something that he would typically replicate. Like, I don't think Flames fans ever expected that. But I, I don't know. It was just after the All-Star break, he just fell off the cliff and just took a nosedive with the rest of the team. But he was in Calgary, I believe, for most of the summer. So it seems like he's getting acclimated with the area fairly well and making the most out of the offseason.
0: Well, one big change that should have an effect across the board, a new coach in Calgary. How big of a difference do you think that'll make just to clear the air and change the atmosphere a little bit?
1: I think that this was the biggest change and really what they needed heading into this season. There was no way they were going to be able to uh, have a, a good dynamic with Daryl Sutter still behind the bench. I think that things got really bad last year because that kind of behavior went unchecked. Brad Treelibbing wanted to fire him. Uh, Murray Edwards, the owner, said, nope, can't do that because he's my friend. Go pay him $8 million to sit on the farm. It's fine. And just having someone that is familiar with the organization and with the obviously with the players um, and that has a good rapport with them is it's important. You know, you don't always have to make this big outlandish splash. Uh, sometimes, you know, doing something comfortable is is what works.
0: So talk to me about the difference in personality and approach between the new coaching staff and, and you know, Sutter.
1: Yeah, I think Ryan Huska is someone that, I don't want to call him like a, a player's coach. Like, a, I think that he's just... Not abrasive, and he <laughs> he knows how to act around people. Uh, I think that it's more of you know a two way conversation. It's an open door policy, but he also knows that the game has changed since you know the nineteen seventies or whenever Sutter <laughs> played. Um, it just it's important, I think, for him to just again get familiar with some of the new guys coming in too, and just be nice. I think that's the biggest piece of all of this.
0: Strategically, uh, you know, on the ice, any major differences in approach that you expect?
1: Um, So apparently they're going to be taking more of um, an offensive approach rather than just focusing on defense and quality shots instead of just the volume which is fantastic because that's what needed to happen. And I think that uh, the power play being run by Mark Savard is going to be absolutely something to watch and something that the power play has needed.
0: Well, he was a good power play player when he was playing. Mm -hmm. So that certainly, he knows what to do. Whether whether we could teach it, we'll have to find out. Uh, How about this? You know, obviously any team looking ahead at this time of year, their prospects, Who do you think will be competing for a roster spot this year in Flames camp?
1: Uh, I think Jacob Pelletier is really the biggest name. I think he is ready to make that jump. He was kind of held back last season and happened with Matthew Phillips too. And Matthew Phillips walked in free agency. I think that Matthew Coronado has a really strong chance at making it, if not immediately you know play some time in the AHL he will see some time uh with the flames i think that he is still you know he's still uh he's still young still a young college kid he's got to get acclimated to the pros and playing against guys that you know are 10 years older than you in some situations so it's you know just getting comfortable i think justin wolf too um Maybe Dan Vladar will be shipped out. Um, there are some teams that are needing goaltenders. So Dustin Wolf might have a better chance of making uh, the roster than he would have two weeks ago.
0: <laughs> how How about uh, some players who are just highly regarded but may still be a year or two away?
1: Oh, that's hard. I would say probably Connor Zari uh, just because he – He's had some bumps in his development, not by any fault of his own. I think that you know injuries happen. There was a whole pandemic that happened, and a lot of things just got in the way of most of these guys' development. Um, you know, right out of juniors or the draft, wherever they were coming from. So I think that he just he needs a little bit more time to get polished and really. Maybe put some more muscle on to avoid any more injury or lessen the risk of injury.
0: Always makes sense. A lot of junior players and younger players need to do that. So we'll keep an eye open. Jess, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media?
1: Sure. So you can tune into Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts, uh, as well as YouTube. And of course you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Flames pod. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto.
0: Jess, thanks so much. Always a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Gil.
0: All right. I want to thank my guest. Uh, I want to thank Jay Foster of Locked on Blue Jackets, Ian McLaren of Locked on Bruins, and Jess Belmasto of Locked on Flames for joining me today. I want to thank everyone for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. Every dayers, we are here every Monday through Friday, bringing you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday show. I also co-host the Friday show with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks so much for listening and watching the Locked on NHL podcast.